Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Story time. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I went hunting a couple times with my dad while I was in high school. We were on a week-long trip hunting for elk, so it involved a lot of hiking through the woods, trying not to get noticed, I should note, though, that deer season had just started before the end of our trip. We were still wearing bright orange though, mind you. At one point, we crossed over a ridge and were making our way towards a valley, trying to see if there was anything down near a clearing at the bottom. Suddenly, we hear gunshots, and the unmistakable sound of at least one bullet whizzing by not far from us. We looked towards the source of the noise further down the valley, and there were other hunters sitting in lawn chairs with their rifles up and beer cans all around them. I don't know if they were drunk or just were in the mood to shoot at anything that moved, but I've been afraid to go hiking during deer season ever since. It was mid-November and I was going out to the family cabin for a few days of quiet hunting. My cabin was about two hours from the nearest town and was so far out of the way that I couldn't get all the way there with my truck. I keep an ATV at the nearest cabin about eight miles from my property. I left my truck on my neighbor's property and headed off on the ATV. When I finally arrived, it was about 5.45 pm and the sun was making its long trek down the horizon. I took my rifle and checked the immediate area around the cabin, carefully making my way in the door checking for anyone who shouldn't be there. The place was empty, as usual, and I went about setting up lanterns and starting a fire in the wood-burning stove. It was freezing cold and all I could think about was getting the place heated up. I unloaded my gear and began preparing to spend the next day hunting in the surrounding wilderness when I heard a noise from outside. You get used to the sounds of wildlife in the woods and after a while you usually don't even notice much of it. But this was different. It was a heavy thud, followed by a soft metallic scraping. I got uneasy because there are no roads up here. There are game trails but many are overgrown and wind in a maze through the forest. I grabbed my flashlight and sidearm and carefully went outside. Circling the cabin in growing circles until I was assured that no one was out there. Strange, but I am tired from a long trip and sometimes silence can make you on edge, so I chalked it up to nothing more than me needing a good night's rest. So I finished getting my pack together, ate some rice and jerky, and went to bed. The next morning I set out at dawn, my plan was to make for a small clearing by the stream where my uncle built a stand in the tree line. I had been at it a couple of hours when I heard a soft thud. I looked in the direction of the noise, and about 15 meters from where I sat, there was an arrow in the base of a tree. I was super annoyed and shouted out for whoever shot it to show themselves. Our property bumps up to other popular hunting areas and we often have hunters on our land. It usually isn't a problem, but it infuriated me to have someone shooting off arrows willy-nilly through the clearing for no reason. Kids maybe, or drunks. Putting on the orange vest I brought in my pack, I scrambled down and away, cursing to myself about amateurs. I decided it would be a good time for a cup of coffee and a lunch break, so I went to my favorite spot in the woods and sat on the fallen tree, like so many times before. After boiling my water and steeping the grounds, I sit, eating my rice and sipping my coffee, 
enjoying the peace, when suddenly I get the eerie feeling that something isn't right. Goosebumps suddenly run up my arm as I scan my surroundings. Was that arrow there when I arrived? Did I just not notice it? The dark gray shaft and broad, black tip were very familiar. It was the exact same as what I encountered earlier that morning. About 10 meters away. Anxiety gripped me. Was someone following me? Was this a joke? Was that arrow meant for me? I frantically tried to convince myself that I was just being overly dramatic, that it was crazy to think someone was out here hunting me. But still, I couldn't shake the feeling. I gathered my things and headed back to the cabin, I suddenly found myself in need of a whiskey, and the safety of four walls. After getting warm enough and in the comforts of a good book, I wasn't thinking too much about what happened, it was surely just a coincidence after all. I closed my eyes and drifted off into a nap. I don't know how much time passed, but when I suddenly woke up it was dark outside. There was a loud tapping at the window, I was frozen where I was, not able to comprehend what was happening. The tapping stopped, and a few moments of silence before a big bang on the door, so hard that it shook on its hinges, I jumped up and shouted who is it? While I chambered around in my rifle. I was answered with a deep silence. Creeping to the door, I unlocked the latch and slowly opened the door to find nothing there. As I slowly walked to the outside of the window, I see the glass had been scraped up and down with something sharp. How long had that tapping noise been happening before I woke up? I fearfully ran back to the door, all I wanted was to have a locked door between me and whatever was here. I ran into the cabin, but before I could even shut the door I noticed it, sitting in the middle of the table, a dark grey arrow with a broad, black tip. My mind spun. Our cabin was small enough to see the whole space from where I was standing, the table, the old sofa, the set of bunk beds and the kitchen area with a few small cabinets, nowhere for someone to hide. I turned quickly to look back out of the door, and that's when I saw him. A tall man looming just outside the tree line, maybe 15 yards from my door. The moon was bright enough for me to make out the long recurved bow in his hands. I slammed the door shut just in time to hear a heavy thud on the outside. That's when I remembered the sound from the night before. This man has been messing with me since I arrived. I shouted through the door, what do you want? But the man didn't respond. I knew I had to get out of there, but there was no way I was going to make it in the dark, I would have to wait until dawn. Frantically, I pushed everything I could in front of the door and made sure the window was locked and the drapes closed. No sleep was to be had, I huddled in fear all night in the back corner of the cabin with my rifle in my hand, shivering from cold and fear. The same questions kept running through my mind. What does the man want? Is he alone? What will he do to me? Why isn't he trying to break the window if he wants to kill me? Every half hour or so, there would be that same heavy thud on the outside of the door. I knew dawn would be coming soon so I grabbed a few things but when I went to the key to the ATV, it was gone. The man took it so I couldn't leave. A brand new wave of fear rushed over my body. I grabbed an old tackle box off the top of the cabinets, my dad used to keep a spare key in here in case we lost one. Please be in here, please be in here, please be in here, it was so cold but sweat dripped into my eyes. Yes. 
There it was. I peeked out of the window but didn't see the man. I took a deep breath and threw open the door with a dozen arrows now sticking out of it, running as fast as I could to the ATV. Jumping on and shoving in the key, it took a few seconds for the engine to turn. As soon as it started I drove off, an arrow driving its way into the small pack on my back, barely missing my side by centimeters. Driving as fast as the terrain would allow, I got to my neighbors safely and retrieved my truck. As soon as I reached cell service I called the police. They never found anything, but I doubt they looked too hard, with the cabin that far out of the way. Even now, I often find myself wondering who that man was, and why he was terrorizing me. Did he want to kill me, or just scare me? Either way, I haven't gone back to that cabin since, and I don't think I ever will. Picture this. I'm a teenager living in the Northern Territory in Australia. With a touch of the tism, I enjoy long hikes out in the bush, away from people. One day, I stumble upon a few abandoned campsites. Being a fearless teenager, I keep going. Eventually, I come across a campsite that seems lived in, jackpot. I find weed, whiskey, and even some adult entertainment. Autobots, roll out. I walk the hour and a half back home, feeling pretty lucky. However, as I'm heading back, I spot a guy with a hat and duster coming down the track. Something about him gives me a bad feeling. As he gets closer, I notice his face is covered. I nod politely, but there's no response. With the sun going down, I pick up the pace. Suddenly, I hear what sounds like inhuman screaming coming from the direction of the camp. I dismiss it as my teen imagination and decide to leg it, running down the track in the dark. I notice something moving in the bushes, resembling the silhouette of a dog. Overwhelmed with dread, I stop and can't move anymore. It feels like I'm going to die. I hear dingoes howling in the distance, and the black silhouette of the dog disappears. Suddenly, I'm overcome with adrenaline. I take a shortcut through the bush to the main road and decide to walk the long way home. Not sure if the two things were related, but there are a few folk tales of indigenous magic men who can turn into black dogs, skinwalker style. Later, I go back with a few mates and weapons, only to find that the campsite has been burnt down. However, I manage to score the guy's bong, which breaks at a party. We use that thing for ages and call it the devil bong. The weed was pretty good too. The Northern Territory has lots of spooky stories. I think it's a combination of substance abuse and the isolation of people, but who knows? The truth is out there. The first time I went duck hunting, my friend and I were woefully unprepared and I didn't have waders. So here I am standing in a huge swamp in Florida barefoot in water that goes just past mid-high with my pants rolled up just out of the water. It was about 15 minutes till last shot so I started walking towards a duck to see if I could scare it and take a shot at it, you can only shoot at them while they are flying. I get about 10 yards and look down to see my legs covered in bugs from the water line to about 3 inches down. Like couldn't even see my skin the bugs were so thick. 
Needless to say I started screaming and trying to get them off my legs as I walked as quickly as I could back to our blue kayak. I think they were sand fleas but I'm not completely sure. I live in New Jersey, and there are tons of woods here. I was in an abandoned, former state-owned park area that had different sections. Part of it was wetland, and part of it had perfectly spaced, even pines. So, I found myself in this latter part, just walking. I had just sat and eaten an apple on a stump and made my way there. I kept going on, as I normally would and had done in years past. I looked down at the base of one of the tall, thin, evenly spaced trees and saw a one-foot-small, tiny lean-to-looking shelter. I got down and looked inside, and there were bird bones in it. This lean-to had just the triangle opening, the sides were evenly and nicely done pieces of twigs and bark. I got up, looked around, and nearly every damn tree base I could see had one, with more animal bones inside a few. I stood up, and I felt watched. I had been here dozens of times and never had it triggered caveman instincts. I said loudly, I have a gun, and I'll be leaving now. I felt those eyes on me even after I was in my truck, which was probably two miles away, and I had no gun, but running felt like the worst idea. I am male, and at the time, I was built like a brick shithouse, some time ago. This area was bordering on the Roncocos Indian Reservation and kind of central or south Jersey. I did go back years later, and the cabin at the front of the place was open again, and it was just a normal state park. Funding, I don't know. The woods seemed normal, and they gave me a hard time for taking a cool, twisty vine walking stick I had snapped off of a tree. I've seen bizarre people and buildings in the pines out here. I was on an ATV on a logging road in central-ish Washington with my then-girlfriend. We were with a larger group of friends, but we had separated from them and gone off to explore on our own. Being on an ATV, we couldn't hear the sounds of the forest terribly well, but there was a point where we both realized that there were no sounds. I slowed down and eventually stopped, and turned off the vehicle. There was nothing. It had been raining but this part of the woods had sunlight coming through the trees at an angle that didn't seem right for the time of day. There was absolutely no air movement despite there being a stiff breeze in the rain. It was like we had turned a corner in the road and entered another dimension. It got weirder. Even though there was no wind, and the trees were perfectly still, the light cast on the ground looked like it was coming through moving leaves. The weather in the entire area was overcast or drizzly or breezy normal Washington weather. Everything was gray. But this area was like someone took a picture of a deciduous forest in autumn and turned the contrast all the way up, which looks very out of place in a pine forest. The light was golden and flickering through the still orange and bright green trees. Then noises started. There was still no wind or birds, but those don't make these noises. The first one was like a bunch of people whispering at the same time, coming from every direction. Then there was a quiet moaning screaming sound from somewhere to the side of the road. It was close. That's when the dizziness started. It was like there was a pressure on my brain and eyes that was just turning everything to a blur. 
The hair on my neck and arms was standing straight on end. I had the presence of mind to start the ATV and we noped the F out of there. Got around the corner in the road and it was raining and windy and overcast. No more stillness or golden light. But the sounds followed for about two or three minutes. We got back to the group about 10 minutes later. Didn't mention anything about the experience, but when we had loaded up the grills and AT versus into the trucks and were driving back home, we went through that same section of road, and it was raining, windy, the trees were pine, not deciduous, and the sounds were gone. I have no clue what happened, if there was some sort of gas that made us hallucinate, if we had been mildly poisoned somehow, if it was just nerves, or if we stumbled into something entirely different, but we both had the same experience. I have stayed away from the woods for the most part, and if I do go in, I make sure I have multiple people with me. When I was around 7 or 8 years old, 1995-ish, I lived a bit north of Spokane, Washington, close to a town called Colbert. It was fairly rural and very forested. I remember the neighborhood I lived in was still being developed and there were lots of trees, lots of dirt and lots of empty lots yet to be built on. My backyard butted up to a large open field with very tall power lines running as far as the eye could see. On the other side of this field was a huge forest of pine trees. My siblings and I would always go and ride bikes and play back there. Late one fall evening, after my family had eaten dinner I remember my mom had noticed a fire burning out across the field near the tree line of the forest. She called 911 to report the fire. I remember her getting off the phone and telling us they said oh it's probably just someone having a bonfire to burn their leaves, lots of people do it this time of year. Anyways we really didn't think much of it after that. A few days later my sister and I went back there to go play and we find a completely burnt out car and a bunch of random junk scattered around the immediate vicinity. Definitely a weird thing to encounter at that age. I also used to ride my bike to school. My elementary school was close enough that I could ride there in about 15 or 20 minutes-ish. Again my neighborhood was essentially surrounded by pine forests and I had learned a pretty fun and fast route through the forest almost directly from my neighborhood to school. One day on my way home from school I decided to take a trail off my normal route. Don't remember the exact reason, maybe was just exploring or maybe was trying to find a shortcut or something. I ended up stumbling upon what appeared to be a makeshift camp of some sort. I just remember seeing a bunch of beer bottles everywhere and bullet casings and weird cooking equipment, prob meth or maybe moonshine looking back on it, and it looked as if someone had been there very recently, like maybe saw me approaching on my bike and scrambled out of there. For some reason I just got really bad vibes and didn't hang around there too long. I remember pedaling out of there as fast as I could. Once I get out of the forest and I'm turning back onto the main road outside of my neighborhood. I see a white Chevy van turn out of one of the dirt roads from the forest. It was maybe a hundred or a hundred and fifty yards behind me. I hear it accelerating, like a lot, and I'm looking back thinking to myself this van is accelerating at me, we are heading in the same direction at this point. I start pedaling again as fast as I can, my adrenaline is spiking at this point. This is all happening in a matter of maybe 20 to 30 seconds. 
I hear the van at this point is so close to me I end up checking the curb and go flying off my bike literally over the entire sidewalk and land in grass pretty much unscathed albeit extremely shook up. I see the van blast past as I'm still rolling. I get up, run over to my bike, which luckily is also fine and quickly dip into my neighborhood and ride home keeping an eye out for the van. I made it home and never saw the van again. I just remember thinking too. Myself was that van the person or persons whose camp I stumbled across in the woods? Needless to say I never went off my normal route to school ever again. Still to this day I wonder about who was driving that van and whether or not they were actually trying to hit me or just run me off the road and scare me. I moved away from the Spokane area in 1997 and it for sure was the weirdest place I lived growing up. When I was younger my uncle used to take me with on the quad with him at night to go collect the camera traps he had placed around the woods. One night the quad stalled and it wasn't until the engine died that we could hear the snapping of sticks and shuffling through leaves all around us. My uncle shined his flashlight to reveal what felt like a thousand sets of eyes staring at us just beyond the darkness, pulled out his pistol, shot at the ground about three feet in front of the closest coyote and they all went running. He then gave the manliest pull of a pull cord I have ever seen to start the quad and we noped right the hell out of there. I backpack a lot. My wife and I came over a ridge in Whitkin 20 feet off a pack of wild boars. Stopped dead in our tracks. A few came towards us, and started grunting. There was a tree line about 20 feet behind us. I told my wife to get into a tree. I told her, once she was in the tree, I'd follow her. I knew there was no way I'd make it to the trees. I honestly didn't think I'd survive. Wild boar are way more dangerous than bear or big cats. Once she was in the tree, I slowly took off my backpack and laid it on the ground, hoping the smell would distract them, then I turned around and started running. My wife said when I turned around, the boars left, which is really anticlimactic. But it was the most unexpected and best outcome. I was probably around 10 and out walking with my mother's visiting friend's son at night. It was dark and in the summer so it was after 9, we were in the immediate area surrounding the house. We had flashlights and two 20-year-ish old past us. I shone one of them in the face either by accident or on purpose. He pulled a knife and held it to my throat and said something that fd me up to a degree where I didn't feel like going out at night for 7 or 8 years. I bumped into him a few times after that, he never indicated that he remembered who I was but I sure as f remembered him. He's dead now as far as I know. Overdose probably 10 years ago. F you, you complete piece of garbage. Good riddance and I'm glad you're dead. I say that with absolutely no hesitation or guilt. A naked guy tried to befriend me when I was living in my van in the woods. It was strange cuz he was acting like I was acting weird for being creeped out. He approached me and gave me a bag of nuts. I bursted out laughing at the irony. Cuz his nuts were out. I was surviving off of possums, 
field mice, squirrels, and armadillos for a long time so I accepted the bag of nuts. But I still didn't accept his nuts being out in front of me. I told him I had no problem with his lifestyle but if he could please cover up if he decides to interact with me. He said that that was no problem, and he used a towel that he was carrying to cover himself. He showed up a few days later naked again and I told him sternly to put his towel on around me. Then he showed up again a week or two later, naked of course, and at that point I just told him to F off. The end. My boyfriend and I went camping, and, I will say, wherever we went anywhere, he was always chatting up strangers and picking up hitchhikers, etc. I silently couldn't stand it. So, we go camping, set up, it's getting to be 6 p.m., and some guy emerges from the foliage and walks into our camp. Just my boyfriend's type as far as unsavory strangers, and just starts going on about nothing of interest. He then pulls out this blade, not a knife, a blade, and starts shining it and sharpening it. My boyfriend broke that camp and shoved all our shit in the truck so g damn fast. He finally got the willies, and I felt like, now you know how I feel every time you pick up a hitchhiker with me in the vehicle. I was in Foley, Alabama. My grandparents had property out there. They had 40 acres and of the 40 acres only 7 or 8 of them were livable. The rest was just woods and junk and bayou back there. So we used to go play all the time, fish at the pond. We would hear things walking around out in the woods all the time. You know, as little kids, it doesn't register that it's something scary or something. I was 11 years old. And I was there fishing with my cousin and I kept hearing this crunching noise and it was getting louder and louder and my cousin Rob and I were looking at each other and he's about 2 or 3 years younger than me. We keep hearing this crunching noise and it's getting closer and closer to the back of the pond and the bushes that were all around the back of the pond, they were tall. They were 6 feet tall. And as we're sitting there watching, all of a sudden just this furry Chewbacca looking hand just comes up over the top of the bush and pushes the bush down. And it had a kind of dark grey black mane. I don't know how else to explain it. Kind of a dark and colored face and it pushed down the bush and all I could see was the nose and up. First of all, I was fascinated by the BG's hairstyle it had, a pompadour of grey. Then I looked at my cousin, then looked back at this thing and just pure terror jolted through my bones. I ran like hell. We got up to the house half expecting to find that one of ours dads wasn't there and had snuck around in the woods to scare us but everybody we knew was in the house. We alerted them to what was going on and I don't think they believed us but they wanted to make sure there wasn't some homeless guy hanging out in their woods. They all grabbed their guns, shotguns, to go out there and go check just in case. And that was it. That was my one and only experience seeing something that fits the Bigfoot bill. I didn't get a smell. I didn't notice any other deafening sound. Like nothing was going on, it was just the crunching of this thing getting closer and closer to the back of the pond. But I tell you, I never went wandering off into the woods again especially not alone. This happened around the year 2000. 
about a year after this took place, I started dating one of these friends, and that's when I first heard about this dog slash wolf story. I have since asked each friend, over years and miles apart, and they all remember the same encounter. Before my ex was even my boyfriend, let's call him Jay, he and our other friends were about 17 to 18 years old. At that age, I remember it being an adventure to find a place to smoke. Let's hike to X and Puff. Ah good old days, when we got away from our parents and planned a day around smoking it was Jay and his his best friend B, and their girlfriends, S and M. The four of them decided to drive to Mount Pisgah, a beautiful wooded area outside of Eugene, Oregon. It's more of a hill, but it's nature in its prime for sure. I've been out there many times growing up, and I know exactly what trail they were on, the main one that connects the parking lot to the river. They had driven in B's little white sedan, parked in the parking lot, and then walked to the river. On the way to the river from the lot, there is a very small bridge that crosses a small creek, relevant for later. The group spent the day out there, swimming and puffing, puffing and swimming, just being typical Oregonian teens. I can imagine that hunger is what drove them to go home after a few hours, as the sun began to set, either activity alone is bound to get someone hungry, let alone both. So, they walked along the well-worn main dirt path to the parking lot. This path has since been paved, according to Google Maps. It doesn't take but 20 minutes or so for them to get back to the little footbridge by the parking lot that they had crossed when they hiked in. When they reached this small footbridge near the parking lot, B looked out into the vast field between them and the wooded mountain, and noticed a huge dog near the tree line, about 100 yards away, they all later described it as the biggest dog they had ever seen. The dog was just sitting there, not looking scary, just looking like a humongous friendly doggy. It was starting to get dark, but from M's and J's descriptions, and the drawing she did for me later in 2005, it was very shaggy and furry. I may even still have that notebook where she drew the dog thing, if I find it I'll post it. My friends continued to walk across this small wooden bridge, and one of the girls screamed, the big dog was now on its hind legs, standing much closer than when they had seen it just a couple of seconds earlier. It had traversed most of the large field in the seconds it took them to get across this 10 feet long bridge. Whatever this thing was, it was fast, quiet and stealthy. My four friends ran to the car and they had the classic, cliche I can't get the key in. Because B was fumbling madly for the keys. At this point, the dog was standing, on its legs, at the very edge of the parking lot, looking at them. Still had the dog face, still had the dog body, standing up. They never saw it walking, on all four or just two, it was like every time they looked up it was just standing there, closer. As Jay had said, every time they looked up, it was closer but not moving. All of them recounted how surreal it was to see a dog standing on its hind legs. I don't know if it ran for a few ticks and then stood up again at intervals in the field, but that's the way they describe it. Many times I asked them, are you sure it wasn't a bear? No. It definitely was a dog standing on its hind legs. A big dog that was stalking them. Also, this is in Lane County, Oregon in the year 2000, there are few if any bears out there. It would be odd but, then again I wasn't there.
the kids got into the car and sped off, leaving the Pisca dog to his own business. I've never had a reason to doubt any of their stories, in fact, S doesn't like to talk about the incident at all because it's too creepy for her to recall. I was driving home through the mountains from a concert on July 11, 2014 on Route 8 in Hamilton County, New York. It was 12.37 am. I hit a creature that was carrying a deer with my car. My car was damaged from the hood to the rear by this creature and I know it was at least injured and its DNA may have been on my car. The speed limit was 55 and I was not able to stop in time when I saw the creature who was carrying a deer about to step into the road. I hit the brakes but I was only able to slow down before impact. I did not really believe in Bigfoot before that night and I'm still shaken up and I have not been able to share this story with anyone. I wanted to stop and see if the creature was okay but I was scared out of my wits to stop and get out of the car. The creature was huge, at least seven and a half feet tall. I've seen drawings and such of Bigfoot and this creature looks similar but had white around its hairline and its fur was dark brown almost black. I'm shaking writing this and I'm in such disbelief that this happened to me. I didn't even report the accident to the police and I didn't know what to tell my insurance company. My car was totaled. The creature crushed my windshield wipers together, broke many pieces off the passenger side and left smears of Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Dirt and blood all over the rear window. I live in the United Kingdom and live in the countryside. I live on a moderately busy lane and have loads of fields behind my house. Five minutes up the road there's a hill, it's called Coal Peak, changed for privacy, in Gloucestershire. It's about six fields away from my house and a five-minute walk from the road. Me and my two mates go to the peak that overlooks our town and can see the Severn Bridge and a place called Stone House. They smoke weed but I don't so I can't blame it on the weed. We sat up the top for a good hour chilling, we decided to go home as it was around 2 am. They walk the roadway as it leads to the town where they live and I decided to walk to the fieldway as I didn't want to walk down the road on my own after my mates turn off, so to get to the fields you have to walk through a little forest for around 1-2 to two minutes, it was pitch black, moon shining bright, stars in the sky. As I said before I don't get scared so I wasn't that bothered. I got around two-third through the forest when I heard sticks cracking to my left as if something heavy was walking, I just glanced over and presumed it was a fox or badger. I get towards the gate and open it as it leads into the fields that lead to my house. I closed the gate and started to walk and that's when I heard something I will never forget, it sounded like Minecraft Creeper but a lot deeper sounding and bigger. I turned around and on the path, I could see this thing, around six feet tall, skinny, head shaped like a dog, and had horns. 
I thought my eyes were playing tricks so I just stood there watching it hoping it was going to vanish. Well to my surprise after around 5 seconds it started to very slowly walk closer and closer until it got to the gate, it was like it didn't know what to do except just stand there. I was sweating, had a red vision, and thought I was going to have an anxiety attack. I slowly walked across the field trying to figure out what the F it was. I looked back about halfway across the field and it was gone. Sigh of relief, can finally calm down and just take a nice walk home. Yeah, that's what I was hoping for. I was in the last field from my house, house in view. I knew all I had to do was jump over my fence and I was in my garden. I got to my fence and hopped over, I felt safe and secure. I was walking across my garden to get to the back door and behind me, my drive light came on. Now this light only comes on if it detects motion or it's really windy and a branch sways in front of it. It wasn't windy nor did I walk past it. All of a sudden I had this fear of getting snatched so I quickly ran to my back door, opened it, and ran to my attic converted room. My skylight window looks over my drive where the light came on and I stood on my bed and looked out the window. That's when I saw this werewolf looking thing with horns, standing there sniffing around the cars. It wasn't a dog, it wasn't small enough to be a badger or a fox and wasn't a cow or anything like that. I got into bed and just watched movies till the sun came up and slept then. Ever since then I never look out my window at night and never walk through those fields. I honestly don't know what this thing was but it scared the crap out of me I won't go out in my garden past 11pm. CBD. The eyewitness included this follow-up. On the night of December 7, 2018, it was very cold. That's why we only stayed for an hour at that peak. It could have been a dude in a mask first sighting, but the chances of that are really, really slim as I've lived here 15 years now and pretty much know 90% of the town and have never heard of anyone saying anything about a scary sighting or anything along those lines. The thing by the cars was definitely not a man in a mask. It wasn't small horns, it looked like horns that had a few horns coming off it. I don't know what it was but I definitely don't want to see or be given it again. My brother and I were canoeing on Lake George in New York State at about sunset. We headed south for 10 minutes to an area known as Deer Leap at Lakeside. It's a boulder-strewn area with cliffs rising 600 feet above the shoreline. As we were beginning to come to this area, we saw something standing on the shore. It was brownish in color and standing straight up with its arms at its sides. It was about the size of a small man and very thin. Its body was facing south looking down the shoreline when it suddenly turned its head directly toward us and looked very intently. We whispered to each other and watched it while it watched us. We were two grown men paddling parallel to the shore and about 200 feet out but we could not summon up the courage to go in closer. This thing had a strange look, with almost a crazed grin, like a giant lemur. The sun was set now as we continued to watch it in the shadows of the mountain as it was standing next to an old dead pine tree. It turned and climbed sloth-like up the tree about 20 feet to the first and only large limb and onto the crook of a branch. We paddled back around and as we approached it again, it cocked its head directly at us. 
After about a minute or so it turned its face downward into its body and became as if it were part of the tree, just as a lump on the crook of a branch. You would not know if it was there unless you saw it move. I have lived in this area all my life and have never seen anything like this and I have not seen it since. In my searching I have found a reference to a creature found in the woods of New Hampshire, they called it the devil or the stick man. The one thing in common is that they can blend into trees to avoid being seen. One day, a few years ago, I had a dogman encounter on my property. Deciding to take action, I contacted the BFRO about the yetis on my land. I refer to them as yetis because they have three toes instead of five. I always suspected there was more than one cryptid on my 18-acre property, located on the St. Charles River in Pueblo, Colorado, which flows into the Arkansas River. Dogman sightings have been reported off Lion Road, which also borders my river. Being proactive, my researchers had me set up cameras to capture any Bigfoot activity. Over the years, these cameras have captured images of other strange creatures, which I classify as hybrids. My personal encounters began at the age of 8 in 1969 when a massive Bigfoot stood up in front of my tractor. Since then, I've encountered various creatures, including a dogman. I have a picture of a dogman I caught in the river that spans 4 feet wide. The creature has large shoulders, black fur, ears that tip in towards themselves, scars on its face, and a displeased expression at having its picture taken. This daylight photo, taken around sunset, shows the creature squatting and looking directly at the camera. Upon seeing this picture, I felt a mix of shock and horror. When I enlarged the image, the creature appeared quite ugly, to say the least. In addition to the dogman encounter, I take precautions to keep my big dogs indoors at night. I have an older blue healer and an Irish wolfhound mix who, though not as large as a purebred Irish wolfhound, is fast and aggressive. Last fall, I almost lost my Irish wolfhound mix when he came home severely injured, with a 6-inch slice at his groin that nearly reached his femoral artery. Despite no bite marks, he was battered all over, as if something had pulverized him. My pastor neighbor confirmed a fight in the river around 9 a.m. That ended horribly, with a dog screaming. It turned out to be my dog. Since then, his personality has changed, becoming more cautious. When these creatures are around, he refuses to leave my side or venture near the river. Irish wolfhounds rely on their keen senses, and when my dog stands on his hind legs, raises his head to smell the air and then returns to me, I know something is amiss along the river. I've had numerous encounters with these creatures on my property, and unfortunately, I've lost a few good dogs to that river and what lurks in it. On a hunting trip in remote, middle of absolutely nowhere Nevada, my husband and I came across an abandoned campsite. Everything was left, tent, sleeping bags, small camp stove, water jugs, chairs, and literally the biggest pair of men's shoes I've ever seen. Absurdly huge. Plus, women's shoes scattered around, also good-sized, size 11 to 12? The camp had been abandoned for quite some time, 
The tent was shredded from wind, everything else strewn about and sun damaged. We only looked around for a few minutes before we were so creeped out we just had to leave. It just felt sinister there and we were afraid of what we might find if we looked too hard around the area. Plus, there could have been a desert-dwelling giant watching us, waiting to attack. Or something. It was just so weird. About a year ago, me and a couple of my buddies went to this newly developed primitive campsite along the Grand River. We spread out our individual sleeping areas, two of us in hammocks and one in a tent. In the middle of the night, I am woken up to hear an animal screaming in our camp, pretty close to me. It terrified the crap out of me, but I just figured it was some animal being caught and killed. I was actually able to fall back asleep for just a moment. Then I woke up to hear growling right by the side of my head. I'm in a hammock and can't get up and out very quickly. I also went to sleep without a light source or weapon. I hollered out to scare whatever it was. The growling didn't stop. I called out to my friend to bring me over a flashlight. As he's coming over I crawl out of my hammock. We shine the flashlight into the woods and see a bunch of glowing eyes watching us. I yelled out again and they weren't scared off. I get a little closer and find that we were surrounded by coyotes. Definitely the creepiest thing that happened to me at night. In the morning I found that I had hung my hammock right over their den. I've had coyotes in camp before, but never this many, and never have they stood their ground. I was driving out on a forest access road above 8000 when I stopped in a cleared out spot with a good view. It was late May and most of the snow had melted, but there was still some of the white stuff on the ground in the denser groves, out of direct sun in the shadow of the aspens and firs. It was cool in the days and downright frigid once the light faded. I've always been one to go off the path and see what's around the next corner and this day was no different. I walked up to the edge of the clearing about 30 or 40 feet from the truck and stepped into the woods. It was mid-afternoon, but the low light cast by the dense foliage, the odd lack of noise from wildlife, and the sound of the wind blowing through the hills made for an eerie walk. I didn't roam too far from the truck because I had heard stories about people taking the wrong turn off of a path and getting lost. As I continued into the trees, I couldn't shake the feeling like I was being watched. I was unprepared. No water, no snacks, nothing really to sustain any real hike, so I decided to turn back. I took a few steps when I heard a faint, low rumble. It sounded like a growl, but weird like I couldn't focus my ears on it. I brushed it off. Tinnitus, I thought. Reasonable. It was pretty quiet, after all. A few seconds later, I heard it again. Easily startled Abel, I picked up my pace just a skosh. Either my ears were on the fritz, or there was something out there. The area was well known for bears, in town, it wasn't unheard of for a passerby to cross paths with a mischievous black bear rummaging through an unlocked dumpster. As I approached the clearing, I heard a crunch from behind me somewhere. Self-preservation is strange, instead of high-footing back to the truck like a well-adjusted human being, I stopped and turned around. I guess I wanted to see what was about to eat me. There was nothing to see, however. 
Not a bit of movement, other than the gentle quake of the aspens. I squinted my eyes, trying to catch a glimpse of anything included farther back into the forest. When did I stop breathing? Out of nowhere, I heard a loud crack. It was a hollow noise, like that of a 2x4 striking another piece of wood. That's when the running began. I crashed the rest of the way through the underbrush and made it out to the wide open. I looked over my shoulder, expecting to see some sort of giant-toothed, blood-sucking monster hot on my tail, but, again, nothing. I slowed down as I got to the truck, the altitude and lack of oxygen kicking my ass. I swung open the door and clumsily jumped inside. I turned the ignition, dropped it into drive and hastily made my way out of there. One of my old cousins tells a story of being out on Grand Bayou in the mid-60s when some kind of natural event after sundown caused a patch of the lake about three-quarters of a mile wide to start fizzing and bubbling to the point that his boat started to lose buoyancy. He was already pointed in the right direction and gunned the engine until he was safe and in normal water. He settled down for the night about a half mile away and listened to it hiss out from his anchored boat. Said it smelled awful and there were a few times where a kind of light emanated from the area. Not flashes, more like someone turning dimmer switch on a huge lamp up then down really quickly from various spots under the water. He said that when it was lit it moved rapidly like cloud to cloud lightning does and was, a few times, bright enough to see the shadows of fish and dead trees on the bottom being cast by it. Apparently it didn't last but maybe 45 minutes. I live in the Appalachian Mountains and have my whole life. One night I'm house-sitting for my parents, who live up in the woods, and need to let the dog out to pee before I go to bed. It's around 11 p.m. and I'm standing at the door and I hear this sound, of what was either a woman screaming bloody murder or a baby shrieking, up in the woods across from the house. My body froze and I'm sure I went pale as a ghost at that second. I yelled for my dog as I tried to decide what the F I should do and quickly got him inside and locked the door. I ran upstairs to a window and cracked it and kept listening. Slowly my brain realized the unlikelihood of a woman being murdered in the woods or an abandoned baby so I start to google some animal noises. Turns out it was a grey fox and he was doing a typical fox scream. I was working on my boss's private lake, near Lake Hartwell in Georgia, and at night we would go out on a flat bottom boat and do some catfishing. It was me and two other guys, and we weren't talking, just sitting there fishing, reeling in and casting out. And then, on a perfectly clear night, we all saw a flash light up the entire lake. Not from the side or something, like a muzzle flash, just the whole lake lit up. No sound either. We all looked at each other, and then we kicked in the trolling motor and went back to shore. We were all just dumbfounded. We didn't know what happened to cause this. This is a lake fed by four small streams in the middle of nowhere. My friend and I camped quite a bit at this awesome Girl Scouts retreat called Camp Tahigua. 
It was on a big forested mountain and there were around five campsites that the girls would have to hike to that contained tree houses, raised tents, cabins, or open front cabins. One year, we got into the paddler's camp, canoeing, and we were designated at the open front cabin site. After hiking for 30 minutes to get up there, the counselors tell us one path is warded off because it leads to an abandoned campsite that wasn't safe to be in for one reason or another. Whatever. Around dinner time, the girls are told to go collect firewood. My friend and I deviously escape the other campers and go down the forbidden path. We're collecting twigs and branches off the trail when, and I don't think this is related to the reason why the campsite was closed off but curious anyway, we both freeze and look off into the forest in the same direction. This is hard to describe because this was years ago, but in the brush and among the trunks of trees was this floating face, or even a mask. It looked like it was carved, and the wood was so bright on it, like someone moved the trees for the sun to gleam down on just it. It had a wide, smiling mouth and round, dark holes for eyes. It unsettled the both of us to the point we drop what we collected and just run back to camp. We didn't really say anything to each other, but I tried going down the path again, with a weaponized walking stick, and looked for it off the path. Never found it again. My friend and I literally discarded this memory until years later when I brought it up for laughs. My friend was horrified and wondered why the heck we had never brought it up again. When I was a teenager, I was camping with some friends in an alpine hut. I would have been 14-15-ish. We'd hiked in through the bush, and hadn't seen anyone else since we were dropped off that morning. It was late at night, in the middle of winter. I was the only one still awake, it was a full moon, and moonlight was streaming in through the window, casting a big light patch on the wall opposite me. I remember it clearly, right down to the shadow of the cross between the window panes. Now, imagine, if you will, someone walking up behind you as you face towards a wall, with the headlights of a car behind. I'm sure you can imagine the way you would see their shadow, clearly humanoid, looming up alongside your own. Well, lying there, on the floor of this old hut, only person awake, I saw that shadow. In the rectangle of moonlight opposite me, I saw a shadow like that of a person walking towards the hut grow up the wall over about 20 seconds. It even swayed slightly from side to side as a person's shadow would with each footstep. When the shadow was filling about three-fourths of the moonlit space on the wall, it suddenly shot to the side, as if a person had suddenly dived away to avoid being seen. I got up, and looked out the door, and there was no one there. I woke up my best mate and told him I thought someone was outside. We went all around the hut, and there was no one out there. We called out into the night, and there was no response. We were about 20 kilometers from the nearest highway, on a remote bush track, so it's not like there were many casual passers-by. There were certainly no vehicles nearby that we could hear the sound of, and like I said, we hadn't seen anyone since that morning when we were dropped off pretty much the most unnerving thing I have ever seen. I've never seen anything like it since, and to this day, I can't think of a rational explanation for it. Your turn.
I work at an oil refinery or chemical plant in the southern U.S. I will not give the company name for obvious reasons. I work primarily around the rail yard, but we do handle business throughout the whole eastern portion of the plant. About a month ago, will not give exact date as you would be able to find my place of work, I had completed my work for the night and had taken the company truck to a part of the refinery that I was more likely to go unnoticed by my supervisor should they be driving around. This has been my go-to spot to hide from the boss and sleep away the remainder of my shift for the past two years or so I have worked here. This part of the refinery where there had been a relatively localized explosion that tragically took the life of a woman that had been employed directly by the owners of the refinery for about five years. She was attempting to fire up burners to restore power to the refinery during an emergency power outage. This took place exactly 10 years before, on the same day and roundabout the same time in the morning. The area of the plant where this happened is still taped off and shut down to this day. On this night, while sitting in the truck, it had begun to rain very heavily. We had been in a relatively severe drought for the past several months, so the poor weather was welcomed by all, especially with the notice the plant had sent over the radio stating that there was lightning in the area and to stop work and find the nearest substantial shelter. I was watching a movie on my phone and finding it hard to stay awake with the sound of heavy rain on the roof of the truck. Sometime in the very early morning hours, although I can't be exactly sure on the time, I was awoken from my half-sleep by a huge orange glow that completely engulfed me. It was so intense I couldn't open my eyes past a squint due to the brightness. I could only describe it as being very similar to staring directly into the sun. I immediately recognized that I was in the middle of an explosion. However, there was absolutely no sound, no heat, and no fear. For a moment I questioned if I was still alive, but as the orange glow died down, I saw a woman, completely engulfed in flames, running for about five or six steps before falling to the ground. Since that day ten years ago, there have been a number of pipes installed that run horizontally just above the ground in front of the furnace and meant to bypass it. She ran straight through them. I mean she ran straight through them like they weren't even there. Then just as soon as I saw it, it was all gone. The fire was gone, she was gone, the whole space was just as empty as before and I was back to sitting alone in a truck, listening to the rain. I obviously couldn't believe what I had just seen. I, like everyone else at the plant, was familiar with what had happened on that day and I knew exactly what I had just witnessed, I just couldn't wrap my head around how I had witnessed and even that it happened a full decade in the past. I drove back to our shop where I promptly clocked out and went out to my personal truck. I sat there for at least half an hour trying to come to terms with what I had just witnessed. After the initial shock wore off, I felt very indifferent about it. It didn't freak me out or anything. What I saw was just very matter-of-fact to me. Even still though, I kept the story to myself because I figured there was very little benefit to telling anyone. And even like this is obviously hard to forget, especially in the only three or so weeks since it happened, but I have tried not to dwell on it too much because I know I will drive myself crazy trying to comprehend exactly why I was somehow able to witness such a well-known and tragic even from 10 years in the past. Then, last night, it happened again. 
We have a very small loading rack that sits in the back of the rail yard and hasn't been manned or used in years. Last night, the weather was very foggy, to the point you could only see lights from the refinery for about 100 yards, and could only see objects for maybe 25. I was driving the work truck down to a storage tank we have and talking on the phone to my wife about the trip she had taken to visit her mom in the next state over. As I turned the corner near the rack, my phone dropped the call. I didn't think too much of it because service can be spotty in parts of the refinery, although this area usually has a pretty strong signal. Nevertheless, I figured I would just call her back after I had arrived at my destination. I happened to look to my left to glance at the rack. I never had the opportunity to use it, and it had different equipment than I am used to using to I often look at it when I pass in an attempt to picture how all of it worked. It sits about 30 feet from the road, so it's close enough I was able to still make out details pretty well. As I looked over, I saw two men up there. They were wearing the old company uniform, and seemed to be hooking up a large white rail car. These white cars are uncommon in our yard, but not unheard of. However, if we had one staged in this area, there is absolutely no way I would not know about it, nor is there any way I would not have seen it any of the other 10 or so times I had passed that area during the day. I could make out their faces well enough to know that neither of the men were anyone that currently works here. I also noticed the rack didn't look nearly as rusty and neglected as it usually does. It still had paint on it, and didn't look overgrown or abandoned at all. That being said, everything was a little blurry. Like instead of being in the fog, it was more like they were the fog. Like they were part of it. Then as I reached the next turn, they were gone. The people were gone, the large white car was gone, and the rack was back to its rusty normal self. Interestingly, the fog started clearing very shortly after this although I can't say they were really connected. Once again, this took a minute to process but I was not freaked out at all. I actually just thought it was really cool that I got to witness this time slip two times now. I asked a co-worker that has been here nearly as long as I have been alive when the uniforms changed and he said it was sometime during 2015. I don't know if I also saw them 10 years in the past, or if it was a different, more random amount of time. Our company has been here since the 60s so there is really no telling. Both events seem to move slower than normal time. Not slow motion, just a little slower than normal. I don't know if this was actually time moving slower, or if my brain was just taking longer to process what it was seeing. These are the only times in my life that I have ever experienced anything like this. I don't know if it has something to do with the plant, the area, or me. I will say, the city where this took place is where one of the most well-documented UFO sightings or abductions took place. Maybe this is just a place where odd things happen. I'm sorry if my thoughts seem jumbled, reliving this while typing it has proven to make it difficult to keep my mind on track. I would love to hear of anyone else that has had a similar experience to this. I plan to post to a couple other relevant subs as I am really desperate to know I'm not the only one that has seen something like this. Hello. I am grasping as straws as to where to turn. 
I do not claim to have encountered or even seen a UFO or UAP or whatever the proper term is these days. The edited version of my story is that in the process of trying to prove to close-minded doctors that I am suffering from parasites, I have discovered something stranger than parasites in my body. Using a handheld microscope I often extract things from my tissue and place them in a vial, some with and some without a liquid medium like formalin, and take pictures in an attempt to find a specimen that is undeniably a parasite. A few days ago I extracted something that does not appear to be organic to me. In my opinion, it looks like a man-made object. That in itself was puzzling to me, but the mystery grew when I observed it changing shape, seemingly morphing from a narrow object with elliptical cutouts lit from inside to a solid cube with no way of light passing through it, to an almost see-through sheet of material. I will attach a few of my amateur pictures. They are not the best quality, but I hope that I captured enough to represent evidence of my observation. I don't know what I expect you to say or do. I just don't know what to make of it or if anyone would even care to investigate its identity or would be able to provide me answers as to what the hell it is. Thank you, in advance for your time. Nothing dangerous or particularly creepy, however I was once sailing off the coast of Scotland at night when there was very little wind. Just enough to fill the sails and make a couple of knots. If you've ever been at sea when it's like this, it's utterly silent, sound carries a very long way over water in those conditions, so you can usually hear ships and fishing vessels some way off. There was nothing else around however, so we were completely alone. I was in the cockpit keeping watch while the boat steered itself, and the other person aboard was below decks asleep. It's quite relaxing as time seems to stop since there is very little to gauge your progress only watching the miles tick slowly past on the log. After some hours of this, I heard an extremely loud whooshing noise right next to the boat. I almost jumped out of my skin wondering what the hell was going on. Nothing seemed to be wrong with boat, so I switched on a torch to find a dolphin had surfaced right alongside and exhaled. He hung around for a bit and then went a bit mad charging around the boat before disappearing. It wasn't particularly creepy since I could see what it was, but it was certainly surprising and woke me up a bit. I just wanted to share something that happened to me a couple days ago. Early in the year my fiancé died unexpectedly when I wasn't home, we had been together for 8 years, one time we were discussing something we heard on the atheist experience about messages from beyond the grave where the person discussed something happening to a libel that they thought were a friend. Then I said I'd like to have a huge neon sign or something in the sky that was painfully obvious and impossible to mistake if I was going to receive a message from the other side and we laughed. For the sake of this post I'm going to call my fiancé John. This has been my first year and the first birthday in over a decade without him, and it's been extremely hard. I was going home in a metro and on comes this commercial where there's a dude playing a piano and behind him is a huge neon sign written we love John and it's almost creepy that the people in the ad are pointing at you, talking towards you and saying thank you John a couple more times through this ad. 
So many little things like the humongous neon sign at the back and the song played by the piano player all really make me really feel this is a message and it was on my birthday too. This ad has never played again since my birthday and I'm on YouTube a lot, especially now because I'm bedridden because of C19.